You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. To the chasers of light, to the purveyors of pictures, to all of you listening around the world, we welcome you to the F11 Photography Podcast. So we thank all of you for listening to the last episode, the one where we introduced ourselves. And if you haven't heard the last episode, our first episode, where Brandon and I introduce ourselves to you, the world, uh, we recommend you go check that out. You can uh, go check our episodes out on you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Music, all the major players out there. And you can, of course, go to our website, which is simply f 11 Pod. Com and check out the episodes there. Today's episode, however, we're going to be talking about something that is very important and powerful in the photography world, something that's taken over the photography world for better or for worse, and that is social media. So before I, before I have Brandon chime in, I want to tell a little bit of an old man get off my lawn story. When I was coming up in photography, uh, we had these things called photographers. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of them, but now we have these things called content creators. And it's to me, it's a buzzword that is made by uh, social media companies to keep you on their platforms. Uh, we didn't have like YouTube. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have any of this stuff. We just went out and took pictures of things and hope people liked them. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a way to get likes or shares or any of that. And so coming up in a world without that and now seeing a world with it has been kind of a trip for me. Uh, and it's something that I, I see, you know, there are some uh, benefits to it, some tools you can utilize out of it, but then I see a lot of dangerous things as well. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. And uh, I guess I want to talk to Brandon and get his thoughts uh, because Brandon is about, you know, 15, 20 years younger than me. So he has, I'm assuming in all of his adult life, only known the world of Instagram, whereas I have not. So, uh, Brandon, tell me your thoughts about social media and photography. Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, social media, when it, when you ask that question, what's, what is social media in terms of photography and like what are the thoughts? Like, of course, my mind obviously goes to or immediately goes to, you know, the strife and and the various documentaries that talk about like the mental illness and the validation, you know, that's, that's a dead horse that's been beaten quite often in the last decade as social media has come to be, uh, come to reign king for everyone making content and taking photos, taking videos, you know, all of the above. Um, personally, I, I, I do see both sides. Um, growing up, Instagram was very much uh, a validating factor for, you know, just, just taking pictures when you went to a restaurant, you know, before I was even a photographer. And so having become a photographer already 
with, you know, already in the realm of social media, it kind of, uh, that, that validation factor was amplified because, okay, now I'm expressing work that I want people to enjoy that I enjoy. And I want there to be that, like that symbiotic relationship between the audience members and my work. Even if that work was just taking photos of like street corners and alleyways and stuff like that starting out and, you know, if not DJs and whatnot, um, I do believe that social media does have its place. I would never call myself a content creator. Sometimes I feel like that's what I do, being both a videographer and photographer and, uh, as well as film photographer. But I think we have an obsession with self-identification. Um, I think it's even an epidemic, you know, uh, to your point. Like, when did we go, you know, when did we switch from people who like to take photos to you know, having to, having to tell someone at a mixer, like, oh, I'm a photographer, follow me on Instagram, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, the thing that I've seen transform photographers quite a bit is, and this is the one that I have a really hard time getting on board with is, so I go and I take pictures of things and, you know, I have a, a goal that I'm trying to achieve. Like, oh, I want this picture to turn out this way. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. But when I take a picture, I'm not out there going, boy, I hope people think I'm this really great personality and blah, 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 blah. Now you see on, on, on Instagram, these photographers, they're not posting their work. They're posting these like quirky little funny videos. Like, look at me. I'm a photography personality. Here's the most annoying things clients tell me when, when they get their pictures taken or here's the most annoying things clients say at weddings. And you know, it's like, first and foremost, your clients may see your Instagram probably do because they hired you to shoot their wedding. And you're talking about all these annoying things that clients do. Well, that's literally the people who are paying you. So like, why are you making reels, you know, talking smack about the very people who basically employ you, you know? And it's just like, I don't think people are really thinking they're more like concerned about how many likes and, and, and comments and all that it gets rather than the fact that it's like, Hey, are you really truly here to grow a photography business? Like, why are you doing that? And like, I, you know, I tried it. I, I, I mean, I dabbled with it. I tried, I tried it a little bit on TikTok. I mean, I, I understand TikTok now. It took me about a year to wrap my head around it. And, you know, I just, if I want to do mindless stuff and I just want to like watch mindless videos to make myself laugh, I use TikTok for that. But if outside of uh, just making quick promos for my YouTube channel, I think that's all I'm going to use TikTok for moving forward uh, because I don't really want to be known as like some comedy person that's not why I shoot. But when you look at people's Instagrams, it's like, what about your photography? Like, isn't that, you, you say you're a photographer, but you're trying to be a comedian. You're not that funny, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so anyway, uh, what, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it's, it's interesting to think about because, um, you know, we can sit here and talk all day about how, you know, what is your online presence, right? That's the big question. You know, what's the disparity between you in person and how you function as someone who takes photos, as someone who is executing a goal as a photographer versus your presence online? And it's, and to be quite honest, in my personal experience, I don't think that, um, it's so much of an issue, you know, uh, a lot of photography feature pages, you'll get comments, you know, from a lot of frustrated photographers saying like, we're getting pushed out of the sphere because of reels. And it's like, you're not losing clients 
over reels. It's your job to get in touch with those clients. It's your job to reach out. It always has been. That has never changed. If someone stumbles across your Instagram page and they like your work and they want to work with you, they can send you an email because you should have that posted. You should have a link to your portfolio where you can be contacted. And then at the same time, it's, it's all voluntary as well. Like if you, if you're following a photographer and you don't like the content they're putting out as a content creator, aside from a photographer, you can just not follow them. You know, you can sculpt your own Instagram experience still, but I definitely do still understand the, the sort of framework of victimization as Instagram's move towards a real platform and also has still that severe crop, even though it's, it's moved to four thirds as opposed to just a one by one, it is still severe, you know, when it comes to the framing that most people shoot on. Yeah. And that brings up a, 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 a sore topic for me because they give you one by one or four by five, right? Oh, it's four by five. Yeah, yeah exactly. Four by five. So what cameras out there natively shoot one by one and four by five. You could do one by one. I shoot on a Mamiya C330, which accounts for maybe less than 5% of all my work. And I shoot that on a one by one. It's a six by six. So it's the same ratio, but I shoot on full frame and every full frame shoots two by three. And then I shoot on a medium format, which shoots at a three by four. None of those ratios I just gave you are four by five. I shoot on a six by seven as well uh, when I'm shooting six by seven film. So they say that the site was originally made for photographers when it comes to aspect ratios. Unless you shoot on a Hasselblad, you really, it really was never made for you. Um, and, and, and let's, of course, get to the fundamental thing about what social media is. You know, I hear people all the time go, man, I get all my business off of Instagram. And you know, my, my pushback on that is, is, well, then you're probably not doing a very good job of marketing yourself because there's other business out there. Like if you're a commercial photographer, like you go work with real companies the first thing they're going to go do is look for your website. Like, you're, If we're going to pay you five figures to do a, job, a commercial job for us, we don't care about your Instagram. We want to know what other commercial jobs you've done. And so people are like, well, I get all my business off Instagram. And it's like, well, how many times larger would your business be if you went to uh, events where you met other people or you marketed yourself via email or you used your website as a way to sell yourself. And, and, and then the other thing about the fundamental, you know, people say, oh, Instagram is this, Instagram is that. I can do this on Instagram and I can do that on Instagram or any social media. And, you know, just to burst your bubble, it doesn't exist for any of those reasons at all. It only exists for one reason. It exists to keep you on it. And that's it. It, it, they use algorithms to find ways to keep you on it. It's why they've been pushing reels. It's because they see that TikTok is capturing the uh, the attention span of the younger generation. So, you know, I'm I'm over forty. I'm forty two, and so I existed in the world before MySpace, before Facebook, before YouTube, before all these. So I've seen them all develop, and it's I've seen kind of generations. So like. The, the millennials are all over the Instagram and all that, but I'm, I'm finding that the younger generation, they're still on it, but they're not as into it. They're a little more TikTok than Instagram. And, and frankly, like if I'm just as a consumer looking at the way video happens on Instagram versus the way video happens on TikTok, TikTok's way better than Instagram. And yeah. my, my thing is, is why even try it? Like why even try to make yourself TikTok because you can't, you're not going to do it as well. So do something different to get their attention. You know, if you're going to do it, but, but at the same time, I, I agree with you. It is a necessary evil. I use Instagram solely as a digital business card. If people are like, what he, what are you up to? 
It's like, this is what I'm up to. You know, within the last six months, I pretty much post what I'm up to on Instagram. Uh, although I don't take it that seriously. I don't think you should take yourself that seriously at all on Instagram. Um, I would say that the last, probably if my last 20 posts, uh, 15 of them were curated by models who invited me to do a collaboration. I'm like, yeah, I like that shot. That's why I, I, I allowed I allowed you to pick it so I could edit it, you know? So like, I don't care what shots they pick because I hand them back only material I'm super proud of. So I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And they usually end up picking one of the ones I would have picked anyway. So I'm, I'm, I don't take it that seriously. And, you know, it's because, like I said, uh, none, of, none of the cameras out there shoot at the aspect ratio of Instagram. And if you want to see that, Go to my go to my website. Uh, you can see the work the way it was originally intended. Uh, go to my YouTube where I can talk about a picture. I can tell you the story behind it. There's way more about it than just scrolling through your phone and hitting a heart button and helping somebody's uh, dopamine levels rise temporarily and yeah. falsely. Yeah, and we way. we could actually build a whole other episode about like why it's so important to print your work because that's the way it's meant to be seen. And you will actually lose faith in your own work if you're only relying on a, uh, you know, like what, a four inch screen to see all your work. Oh, yeah. Like landscape photographers. Like I can't I could never imagine being a landscape photographer and trying to exist on Instagram because I see works of landscape photographers who I follow, who are my friends, who I know do amazing work. But guess what the largest thing I ever view it on is? My phone. So I'm like, man, I really want, like, your work is meant to be printed. Your work is at the very least meant to be viewed on a 5K monitor or something like that. And I could not imagine trying to make it as a landscape photographer on there. But go ahead. I cut you off. No, no. I, I, to your point, it's it's one of those things where it's like you're going to develop that habit of seeing your work on a phone. And you're going to develop that habit of, of seeing your work to be such such a momentary, you know, like, um, split second decision by other people and yourself. Um, me personally, I do curate my Instagram. I do want it to look as good as possible because I like you, Kevin, I definitely see it as a digital business card, but I don't think it's healthy to maintain an image of your work as it just being solely on Instagram. Uh, I do think it's important to print out your work. I think it's important to study your work, um, on as big a screen as possible after you've shot it because, you know, you can't derive a proficient level of self-criticism by just looking at your stuff on Instagram and comparing it to other people's stuff on Instagram and going like, okay, where am I? How, how can I improve? You have to, you have to get out there. You have to do the work. Like you said, like looking at, looking at it on a really high resolution monitor, I think also spending your time at art galleries, spending your time, seeing other people's work printed in high resolution, large, large photos, you know, getting to museums, you know, whenever I go to a new city, I make it, you know, for any reason, if it's not the first day, the second day I'm there, I'm usually at a museum because I think it's so important to see work the way it was meant to be displayed. I think I saw Stephen Shore's work at the MoMA one time uh, in New York in 2019, 2018. And it just absolutely blew me away what one could accomplish with a large format camera in the seventies as color just come out. And it just, it puts it in perspective what a photographer is because you cannot, I mean, there is a light side. I do believe to the reels on Instagram. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of photographers that give helpful tips on gear, on, on photo editing, on, on, on how to manage your, your space and your files. But at the same time, like, that sort of stuff, it doesn't sit well with your brain and it's not great for the actual psychology of developing yourself as a photographer. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. When I came up, if you wanted to study photography, 
there were very few avenues for you. You had to go to a formal school, which is, you know, I went ahead and I minored in that. Uh, and then the other thing you would do and you would starve is you would go work under somebody who was way better than you and learn everything and absorb like a sponge and ask an annoying amount of questions. And you would literally start mopping the floor. I mean, that is, that is where you would start. And those are the two ways you got into photography. YouTube didn't exist. I th- and it's not even like, oh, it hardens you and it makes you like this, you know, this, this badass or whatever. No, no, it's just when you go through something that um, taxing on you, something where you have to starve for, I think that you appreciate it more and you really value the information you're given more and you absorb it more. And nowadays you have YouTube. You can just go, I'm going to learn how to, I'm going to learn how to be a photographer. I took a really great, somebody said, I take great pictures on my iPhones. I'm going to go teach myself how to be a photographer tomorrow. And it plays into this. And, and by the way, to an extent, that's a great thing. YouTube is awesome. I have a freaking YouTube channel. So do you. So I'm not, I'm not talking smack about it. We have more information at our disposal than ever. I just think the the problem is, is that people's expectations are, okay, I learned this new Rembrandt lighting technique that I don't even know the history of because I never studied Rembrandt. And now I know this Rembrandt technique. I'm going to go take a picture of a hot woman, uh, and, you know, with Rembrandt or a guy <laughs> with Rembrandt. Now I want, I want to get famous. Look at me. I'm this awesome photographer. And I see that now you're, you're an exception to the rule. You will go to an art museum, but I guarantee you, if you got, uh, you know, 20 photographers who shoot landscapes under the age of 30 into a room and ask them who Ansel Adams is probably 75% of them wouldn't even know who Ansel Adams is. They wouldn't be familiar with his work. They wouldn't even know what the F 64 club was, which was his club that he had with fellow landscape photographers because they had those large format cameras and they would sit there and take these long exposures. And that was their club that they made. But like history, like the, the, and I'm not being an old man because there's, there's people my age who also just decide one day to start shooting photography. And then they are the same way. They want to learn stuff fast. So I'm totally not talking smack about a generation. It is. I, I do see though that like people I see who grew up around YouTube and didn't grow up in a world without YouTube know nothing else. And so that's naturally where they're going to go to first. And, and I do see that a lot of people your age don't go to a museum to go appreciate what came before them. Like it's, it comes back to why are you doing this? Why are you using this technique? Who made this technique up so you could do it? And people, instead of uh, having reverence and, and learning about that, they, they're just like, I just want to apply it and I want to get famous. And that's what I'm going to use. And by the way, that, that brings up another thing. I, I know this guy. So back when the pandemic was happening, Clubhouse was big for like a year. And I ran a room in there. Um, and it was originally called the Instagram Algorithm Booster Room, where everybody would go in. And they would say, okay, if you do this, 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 and this, you'll get more likes, you'll get more shares. And, all. and I was just curious about it. And I, I, because I, I, I'm a curious person, I'm like, well, I'm going to try these things and see what happens just because I want to see how the algorithm works. And what I learned from it was that nobody really knows what the algorithm wants because they'll sit there and they'll tell you, okay, so you have to post at like 7 a.m. And that's about lunchtime, like in Europe. So that's when you hit a lot of, you'll get people getting up for work in the US and you'll get people, you know, going. Right. That classic overlap. Yeah, that classic overlap. And and you're like, okay, cool. You post then. And and by the way, you got to use hashtags, not hashtags. Like don't, don't put 
portrait photographer on there because it'll just get lost in a sea of hashtags or people searching, you know, for portrait photographer, people are searching for that. It's going to get lost in a sea of that. So you got to use something that's a little different, like IG portrait. That, for, and that's then what it used to be, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is I, I followed all that and, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't work. But one of the cool things about the early days of clubhouse was because everybody was on lockdown, you would find yourself in a room with like a famous fashion photographer or a art director or a editor in chief of a magazine, like a real legit magazine. And you, it, it was, it was kind of like wandering into you're at like a party at like South by Southwest or something, some after party. And you're just like hanging out with people. And all of a sudden like Quentin Tarantino comes over and you're like, Oh wow, I'm standing next. It was kind of like that. But, but because everybody was kind of co- bonded together on lockdown, these old photographers who were amazing would just share their tips with you and you could just talk to them for hours. And, and the, the point I'm trying to make is I, I hosted this room on there. There was so someone who actually came in who worked for Instagram in that department is like, we don't even know what the algorithm is anymore. Like it's like getting tweaked and so on and so forth. And, you know, but the thing was, is there are people in that room and I, and you know, I'd ask them, I'd be like, so what's your dream? And so my dream is to go viral. I'm like your dream is to go viral. Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, so your dream is not for two, three, 400 years from now for people to look at your work and go, wow, this is meaningful. This is enriching for me. Your goal was to go viral. And I was just, I didn't know how to respond. Well, I guess it begs the question is, I think that sort of market has, has always been around. You know, there's, there's a question I often, um, well, it's not a question I ask myself. It, it's something I've come to know that is applicable in a lot of different medium or media and not just photography. It's basically you're either an artist trying to learn how to become a businessman or you're a businessman trying to become an artist or you're, you know, you're a businessman, you know, faking being an artist or you're an artist faking being a businessman. And it's, you know, you're either going to be on one of two, one of those two streets. And so, you know, to your point about, um, about, about, you know, fast tracking on Instagram and, and going viral, it's, it, I think it comes down to bandwidth. You know, we only, there's only 24 hours in a day. I think we all share that as, as people trying to make it in, in whichever way is possible. And I've, I've always wondered, like, with, with the fast tracking of knowledge on Instagram, you know, with knowing Instagram or knowing Rembrandt without the history of, of knowing why Rembrandt shot the way he did. Well, I mean, I guess he was a painter, but, you know, why he casted that, that specific shadow look, you know, how necessary is that history to improve yourself as a photographer? You know, I think it comes down to the sync button question in beat matching. For those of you who don't know, people used to beat match and put songs together on on decks. I'm raising my hand. (laughs) People used to mix songs together on decks. DJs used to do that and get the BPMs correct and transition songs without having to hit a button. They do it manually. And so this, this sync button makes it 10 times easier, but... In making such foundational skills easier, does that open up more bandwidth for the progression of other skills? And personally, for me, I haven't found that to be true, but in others, I have. There are people pushing the envelope with photography as as they come to learn, you know, Photoshop hacks. There are people pushing the envelope with photography as they took the basics 101 courses on YouTube without, you know, any real care about the, the culture of photography. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, it's not necessarily like a respect your elders thing, but I think a lot of times if you go back and learn, why do you do it that way? Why did it happen in the first place? Sometimes that can kind of 
opens something else up in you that you didn't know you had. You know, I learned how to shoot on film. And there's an entire generation of photographers who will never learn to shoot on film. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are things that I know how to do that they probably will never do because they never learned how to shoot on film. Like, and I'm not saying all of them, I'm saying some of them. So like some people are like, like how many photos do you take on a session? Oh, I take like 2,500 photos a session. It's like, well, what are you taking photos of? Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm going out with a model out into a field and taking pictures. of them. like, why do you need to take 2,500 pictures of that? I used to go out there with a roll of 36 shots and that's all I had. And so I taught myself how to take 36 shots to get 36 good shots, hopefully, or at least the, you know, if I can get 10% of that, that would be great. But you know, and I get it. Pixels are free. You can just hold the button down, but it's also a matter of time. If I sit there and I wait for a ballerina to get to the top of their jump and I take the picture and I nail the picture, I'm like, cool, I'm done. When I go import that into, uh, into capture one, I have that one perfect shot. However, if I just put it in drive mode and held it down, I might have gotten that shot. But since I learned how to do that on film, I know how to get that shot. It's a, it's a, it's a, tool as a, as a skill, a notch in my belt that I now have where I can time things, hit what I want, get it in one take and just move on to the next thing. Whereas if I go and I take, uh, if I hold, if I hold down my shutter and I take 40 shots of the person jumping, science may miss them at the top of the jump because of the timing of it. It may go in between the interval may happen in between the perfect spot of that jump. And now I go in and I'm looking at 40 shots and none of them are as good as the one shot that the guy who learned on film, who had that skill ingrained into him learning on film, knew how to take. And so it's a matter of like, I don't have to go out and take 2,500 shots to, to, to get what I need. I know, like, once I know I have it, I'm like, cool, we nailed that. Let's move on to the next thing. Because then you're, when you're culling the photos, you're looking at like, you know, 20 of the same shot or whatever. And it's literally the same thing. So how if you take, if it takes you like 20 seconds to look at a shot and go, oh, that's good. That's good. how much, how much time are you going to spend looking at the same photo? Now I know we're getting off subject with the, with the social media thing, but I just, I had to, had to say that like going back and learning how to do things, uh, you know, there's a reason why, and it can make you a better photographer. That's all. Well, it's interesting. You say, uh, the reason why is because what that makes me think is, you know, you can look at a photographer. Great. And you can derive intention from his photos. It might not be the, the correct intention, but usually a lot of things do line up when it comes to framing, composition, lighting choice, subject matter choice, you know, what's included, what's not, and all that. And, you know, it's, I, I was just recently at the Chicago Museum of Art, and there they had one of Helmut Newton's, they had a big book, the collection of Helmut Newton. Now, he's one of my favorite photographers. He basically pioneered fashion portraiture after Richard Avedon. He was like Richard Avedon, um, you know, ex exploded into into the unknown of risque and, and, and all things coarse, but also decadent. And so through that book, you know, I got, I brought that book home and it was like a breath of fresh air. I was looking through his works. It's a massive book. It was um, published by Tashin, who's one of my favorite publishers. They really know how to do a photographer proud. And if you open that book, you, you'll find, especially my book, you'll find a bunch of post-it notes 
on every different photo that he's taken where I write down, okay, why did he do this? Why did he do that? And I'm like, okay, he, he did a Dutch tilt on this shot. He, he tilted the camera by 45 degrees while he was also on an incline to create a sort of uh, perpendicular shot between um, the subject and the actual tilt of the image itself on the incline is, is fantastic. You know, there's another shot where he, he did a large format flash, I believe, of a model as as the sun just went behind the horizon. So there's almost no light. So he flashes the model in the front and creates her complete outline. But in the background, you have this you have silhouettes of, of a city behind her because there's there's just enough light coming from the horizon that he created that perfect dynamic balance of light in this image. And so you can look at images of great photographers and you can see intention. You can see why and you can incorporate that into yourself and tying that to Instagram. You don't get that because Instagram is such a sea of other people, not copying, but let's, you know, let's say inspired. I'm using air quotes by other people. You can't hold your work to others works on Instagram because inevitably it is a sea of of mediocrity it's if you're learning from others on instagram all you can ever be is 100 percent perfect at what everyone else is you will never define yourself to be greater than anyone else or greater than your previous self as you would have it if you're if you're basing your skill set on what you've seen on instagram yeah and i, I do i do wonder what helmet newton uh would think about instagram because I, I, I think of people like Helmut Newton as I'm too busy being amazing to give a rat's ass about what's going on. Like I'm too busy being Helmut Newton to care what Instagram even is. I'm just going to go out there and he would not be out there to get likes and shares and all that. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. How would your photography be different if social media didn't exist? Are you asking me that? It's a it's a question to the listener, but I'm also asking you. That's a really that's actually something I've been struggling with recently is I'm finding myself um, curating a side of my work, a part of my work, not all of it, but curating a part of my work uh, to a place where I think it would land me jobs and they do. But at the same time, you know, I, I start I start surveying, you know, my past shoots and my past workflows and, and setting up the shoots and planning. And I, I, I think it's a zero-sum game in everything that we do. And so if you're pushing the spontaneity of, of your own, you know, inspiration, you're pushing away the spontaneity of, of what you would want to shoot off the top of your head, what you're inclined to shoot without, you know, so much exterior influence... Uh, then you will you will become, you know, a cookie cutter photographer who can nail 100% perfect mediocre shots every single time. But it will not be anything new for you, and it won't be anything that grows you as a photographer on your journey. And I think it's a great point, and you know, part of the reason I've let go a little bit on something like Instagram, like one of the reasons why I just let the models curate my wall basically now, is because I don't care. I only give them work I'm proud of. So one of the things people always tell you is, oh, you need to niche. You need to niche. You need to be a niche at this and niche at that. But my niche is I don't care. Like I want to be able to shoot any style of photography as well as I possibly can. 
and that and within portraiture, like different, you know, like so you look at my my Instagram and like I'll have a a film thing I did, and then I'll do something in the studio. Like I, I do a lot of different types of photography within portraiture because I don't I don't I don't want to be niched. Like you know, everyone says, oh, you have to niche, and you know, for short term financial success, or if you know, you, even long term financial success. Like if you just want to be a headshot photographer, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. If that's all you want to do. That's totally fine, but it comes down to why you shoot. I feel like if I just did the same thing all the time, that I, I would I wouldn't enjoy it anymore. So I, I I always have to keep I always have to keep things fresh and I always have to change things up, and uh, and so yeah, I just don't I don't I don't know, man. Like I, to 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 my question that I asked you, I guess I should answer it. how would how would it change? I don't know. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to. It, it might be easier for me because I I existed in a world before it. And so I, I just kind of go back to that. Like, why did I do that? I was just really out trying to discover. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm just kind of letting go and shooting whatever I want and not niching and not, because I feel like niching is just something that I'm doing to please, you know, Instagram at that point, you know, like a lot of times it's like, oh, well you have to niche. It's like, why are you telling me I have to niche? Like, I, I get that I'm, I could probably make, if I just wanted to be a headshot photographer, yes, that's fine. But uh, why can't I go do something else? Like, like, you know, you think about people who paint, like, do people paint? I I think, I think with painting, because you have to spend so much time doing it. I don't think paint, a lot of painters do it for the Instagram. They're just doing it because they're just over there painting. And if Instagram disappeared tomorrow, they'd just be sitting there painting their picture and not, not paying attention to what's going on. The the Instagram phenomena happened to painters. Do you follow any painters? Because I, I follow a couple and I Mm -hmm. see obviously the stuff that's on reels. And so I start like following their work. That the same thing has happened, okay? Like these painters and and these artists, these sketch design artists, they're just like, okay, I want to make it too. I'm gonna find my niche, what I'm good at, and then they just yeah. double down on it. You know, I know so few artists, like like painters in Austin, where I can look at their work and watch it evolve over time and change. You know, you know, we don't we don't have the quote, we don't have the blue period anymore. We don't have the red period anymore. We've got okay, this is my niche, this is my nut, this is how I'm going to budget it, this is how I'm going to put into it, this is how much work I'm going to put into it, this is what I expect out. I want returns, right? Back to the artist versus the businessman thing, and so it, I think I think Instagram is affecting everyone. I don't think it's just photography. Yeah, you're probably right on that. I guess I need to pay more attention to what's going on in the painting world. But it's just the instant success thing, you know, it drives me crazy because, uh, you know, I, I was in Florence, Italy, and I went to see the statue of David. And if you're listening to this right now and you've seen pictures of the statue of David, but you've never actually seen the statue of David, you need to put that on your bucket list because when you go see the statue of David up close, it is one of the most awe-inspiring things in the world. But my biggest lesson I took out of seeing the statue of David up close was so let me let me set the let me set the the scene for you. When you go see the statue of David, there's this long hallway. And at the end of the hall, you see the statue of David and you have to walk up to it. But they force you to walk by all of these unfinished pieces of marble that Michelangelo never finished, like his rejects getting up to that point. And it, it, it's the ultimate commentary on instant gratification and instant success. Now, um, he, he was successful before that, but my point being the success of creating one of the most breathtaking, jaw-dropping pieces of art you will ever see up close and all the hard work it took to get to that point 
It is, it is something that if you say that you appreciate art, that you owe yourself to see before you die, because it is like, like it's very rare that art moves me like big time. But like, I was like in tears seeing it, it was so amazing. And, but it, it humbles you. It's like, yeah, I'm going to take this picture. I'm going to uh, upload it on my phone. And then, you know, people are going to scroll by and they're going to hit a little heart icon and it's going to make me feel good about myself. And then you go see that and you're like, I suck. I am nothing. Like I will never like, that's why people still talk about it. That's why when you go into a history book, they show their work in there and they're not going to show your Instagram pictures in history books. And, and I'm not saying that like you have to aspire to be that, but it should, you should definitely guide you. Yeah, and I think you, I think people who are looking to grow as photographers should also, you know, appreciate the journey in what it is and to not use Instagram as a measuring stick for that journey. You know, I know a lot of photographers, well, not a lot, but I know some photographers who get, you know, booked out to shoot American Eagle um, back when that was a thing. And, you know, I asked them for their Instagram assuming that they were going to be some Instagram hotshot. These guys, you know, 700 followers, it's not a big deal. They get 20 likes on their photos and yet they're shooting billboard photos on film on Leica M6s. You know, it's a fantastic thing. And I have a theory on why. Because they're so busy being really good at what they do that they don't care about the Instagram. And I, and I almost, and that's, that's what's, but you know what I do notice about a lot of those photographers? They have really good websites, legit websites. And, and they don't necessarily have the, the Instagram followings, but they have very good commercial looking websites that get them good commercial jobs. And of course they have the portfolio to back it up too. You know, that, that actually raises, um, that raises another question, you know, when it comes down to different personality types. So there are, there are a lot of photographers who are extremely extroverted, you know, they're, they're, they're hopped up on on their craft you know they're the guys that just look they seem like they're going a million miles an hour creating work here off the wall work there you know just new just bang new shoots all the time stuff that you wouldn't even think of and that they you know they have no presence on instagram and i'll tell you what those guys know how to talk to people in person they know how to show up and to present themselves and to bring their presence and and their, you know, their entire workflow into other people's lives and inspire people that way uh, to work with them. And I think that's, you know, I think that's admirable. But I also believe that for a lot of people who are more introverted, who are more reserved, who, you know, um, are battling with doubt more so than others in their own work, I think Instagram is also a safe haven and that they're far more comfortable publishing their work in a space where there's there's guidelines, you know, in, in a space where there are rules that let them flourish um, within that sort of disciplined area of rules. Where, you know, it, some would say that discipline is freedom, and in a lot of ways that's true. But for other people, um, people who just go and do it, freedom is freedom. Yeah, but it, you know, the safe haven for people, uh, you know, likes, followers, how much value do they actually hold? Because to me, I think engagement, like if somebody, I've, I've had people like leave comments. I've also had leave, leave comments and slide into my DMs to talk about my work. That's engagement. That's, that's actually something that could turn into something. And, you know, if you get one of those per post at most, you know, you probably don't even get one of those per post at most. How much value do you really place on the engagement? Because I don't, I don't consider likes, like to me. Let me explain to you how I like on Instagram and I'll bet you a million, you know, anybody, anybody listening right now, 
uh, is probably going to do the exact same thing that I do, which is I pick up my phone and I open up Instagram and I scroll through and I see something that I like. I hit a heart button and then I keep scrolling. That's as much time as I usually give something on Instagram. Now, if it's something that I truly am moved by, I will go to their website and check it out and I'll, you know, I'll leave them a little something. But you think about how many hearts you get on your post versus the amount of people who slide in your DMs. And that should tell you, in my opinion, how valuable likes are or aren't. You know, you might find this crazy, but I don't, I, I don't usually like people's photos, um, you know, because I like the photo and, you know, I used to, I'm not trying to be like some snobby, like artist here. I'm, what I'm saying is like, it's, it's, uh, Instagram is a tool. I see it as an engagement tool. So if there is someone that I haven't worked with that I want to work with and I want them, you know, I want them to, to just have me in mind that they know who I am. I will not like all their photos, but I'll follow them. I'll give them a like, you know, if I've got, if I've got a three busy month time period ahead of me, but I know I'm open on the fourth, fifth and sixth, and I want to work with this person I haven't worked with before. And I only know them through Instagram. I'm going to keep myself on their radar and stuff like that. I'm not going to message them four months, you know, four months behind and say, Hey, we should work together or something like that. Or like, how do you feel about this sort of thing? I'll send you an itinerary. I'll send you a mood board, but I definitely like people's photos, you know, that I know that I can work with. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that, but I usually will leave a comment. If it's somebody I want to work with, I'll be like, oh, wow, that's a great set. And then I kind of see how they react. If they react and all of a sudden they start sliding over to my page, I'm like, okay, take note. I think they might want to work with me. But that's that's another that's another, that's another conversation. Uh, that is a whole... Yeah, that's, that's a whole other podcast on how to attract artistic collaborators and all that. You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. You know, what are your thoughts on fake followers, fake likes? What do you think that actually accomplishes? Because I have opinions. Oh, man. It's just at, at this point in 2023, you know, I was raised in a commercial world. Um, you know, it's it's disruptive marketing in, in my personal opinion. Just like how I have to sift through my emails to see, like, if I've actually missed anything versus, like, you know, the latest mattress from whatever store I visited nine months ago. I just see fake likes as just noise, you know. And I think you and I kind of share a similar opinion on that. Instagram is a tool. It's kind of like a digital business card. You know, when I see when I see a fake Instagram profile that's insinuating, like, man, it's it's... It's those models that are trying to sell their OnlyFans and they're not even real models. They're probably 13-year-old kids in New Delhi just like with a with a whole phone farm just sending out links. But I just see it as noise. I don't care if someone else has fake followers. I don't care about that because it's painfully obvious when it's not true. It's not even something you have to cut them down about. It's just like, you know, everyone knows. You know, it's not 2011 where it's a big thing. It's just like we know where you stand. Yeah, it's, you know, I had a, I had somebody uh, reach out to collaborate with me once and, you know, it was, it was a good enough photo where I was like, yeah, I'll I'll accept the collaboration. And then all of a sudden the likes were coming in and I'm like, okay, my like RIP to my notifications, like what's going on here? And like, it got, I mean, it was obvious, like. I started looking at who was liking it and they were all fake accounts. This person's just buying accounts. 
And I've, I've seen other people do it too. Like other posts I've collaborated on. Like, I don't know if it's like they, Oh, I got paid. I got paid. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy some more likes. And all of a sudden I'll just see like this new flood of likes from posts from like a year ago uh, that happened. And I'm like, I'm like, you do know that I know that you're buying followers. Cause I'm your collaborator. And like, yeah, you know, you, you know, I'm not, I, I'm definitely not someone on social media who has millions and millions of followers or anything. I'm, I have a pretty average amount, a couple thousand, whatever, but, but they're, you know, I just see these notifications and it's all, yes, like you said, it's noise, but it's just, I don't really understand. It's like, why don't you just go like take your money and set it on fire? Because what you're trying to portray there is that you are bigger than you are, but everybody knows has, has been around long enough to like, okay, yeah, yeah. So you've got a hundred thousand followers, but your posts have like 30 likes. They're fake. Now, now, of course, Instagram, I think, picked up on, well, we don't want to lose people on Instagram, so we'll we'll let people hide their likes. We'll just put liked by this person, this person, and others. Now people can hide the fact that they have fake followers. Uh, some of the models I collaborate with will want to uh, respectfully hide the likes. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I, I don't care. But everybody has the reasons for why they do it. But it's just, it, it's to me, it's just given the BSers. I think it actually gives a... I think it actually like makes people who just genuinely want to hide the likes. It kind of makes them look bad because the people who are out there trying to hide all their fake shit are the ones who are hiding the likes and it's like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna. It was like by that person, that person, and others. But everybody still knows that like you don't have that many followers. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest. I hide my likes as well. I I love that feature because to be honest, normally I don't get that many, and I've found that hiding my likes. Well, let me start with this. It, I don't think it is a debatable topic. I don't think it's debatable that, you know, if you see a post with 2,000 likes on it and it's a mediocre photo and you see a mediocre photo with 50 likes on it, you're going to think the one with 2,000 likes is inherently better. You know, that's just a value system that we as humans, you know, it's, it's, it's in our DNA. We can't ignore it. We can rationalize it in the moment, but deep down, like, that's, you know, first split second, that's what we believe. So I hide my likes because I like my photo work. I think it's great. And I think it's, I, I don't want people to pay attention to the social value of what I'm, I'm putting on there. I just, I see it as a business. It's not for me to, to, to show off. It's, it's really just like, look, I've shot this photo. That's where I want it to be. And like, I, like, I think Instagram, because it is such a social platform, you kind of get, you know, like there's different niches of people. There's different categories of people and different reasons that they use it. And I don't think it's a real mystery as to why they're using it. You see video guys making skits on Instagram and it's to, you know, a lot of it's to push their YouTube channels. A lot of it's to push, um, you know, just to, to push awareness of their brand and who they are. And that's all well and good. I'm not that guy. Yeah, I mean, in general, I look at social media. It's it's a it's just another tool in my tool belt. You know, it's not my life though. And I think a lot of people they just like they base their whole life, their whole persona. If they're photographers, they base their whole photography around Instagram. And I cannot identify with that. Like, if Instagram ceased to exist tomorrow, I would be fine. You know, like I, I mean, there would something else would pop up. I mean, people like seek social media. That's a thing. But do you do you remember that trend? Sorry, do you remember that trend where people would shoot photos and it could be any subject matter? It could be, it could be just like a puddle on the street, and then they just completely change it to pink and teal, like pink and cyan. 
Do you remember that whole thing? Yes. And those people would get, like, overnight, they'd just go viral. And they'd give up photography, like, a year and a half later. And they'd just be like, all right, cool, I did it. I made it. And that would be it. Yeah, and it's, I guess we just have different definitions of making it. Because to me, making it is, like... Michelangelo, you know, like, like I, I, I'll never, I'll never get there, but I'm going to die trying, you know, like that's, that's, that's how I don't, the instant, I mean, I've gotten, I've had some things go viral before, like on, I wouldn't say viral, but I've had some videos that have been topical to a current release on YouTube. So like I did a, a YouTube uh, release on the Canon R7, like the week it came out, I just happened to get like the first one in Austin and immediately put out a video on it and like it skyrocketed as a matter of fact that that whole series got me to monetize on youtube so I, i'm grateful for it but it's not like my best video quality in my opinion the cream always rises to the top because i had a much better video that i i feel like i released that uh it was on the mamiya rb67 and for two months it might have gotten like 200 watches like it just didn't do anything and now when you go online and you type in Mamiya RB67 on a Google search, I am the first video to show up on the internet for the RB67 because it was a slow burn and people eventually said, wow, he put a lot of effort into this. And I'm sure there's better RB67 videos out than mine. I'm just saying that like it got a lot of recognition. I put a lot more effort into it. And so over time, people realized the hard work I put into that over the very quick, I'm going to do a, a video on an R7 from Canon because it just came out today and I want to be the first one. And I, and I was, I was one of the first ones. And for a little while, my video and like Brono's photo and like, like Chelsea, <laughs> Chelsea and Chelsea Northrup and uh, what's the other guy, Tony, we were the top three videos on the R7. Now I got very quickly pushed to the bottom and overall like didn't even like, I don't even think I got one one hundredth of what they got in the end. But for a while there, it was a, it, it got me a lot of subscribers and all that. And it helped me monetize. So sometimes I guess, I guess my, my takeaway is yes, social media can be an effective tool. And I consider YouTube to be social media as well, because there's interaction that happens with, with, you know, followers and, and subscribers. So it can be used as a tool. It helped me monetize. Absolutely. Have I gotten jobs of Instagram? Of course I have. So Instagram can be used as a tool, but it's when you let it dominate your life. I think that it can be uh, dangerous. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I got a fun little anecdote. Uh, just crossed my mind. I remember when I was first starting out as a photographer with my A5000 uh, shooting icon now for anyone who's interested. No longer a Sony guy. Sorry. Um, I was at Scratch House in Austin. It used to be a little warehouse, like a little uh, little rave venue. And I was doing some. Uh, I was doing some artist shots. I think we had Hex Cougar in town, who's a big uh, rhythm dubstep DJ. If anyone listens to that, I don't anymore. But I remember I was sitting down at the table going, you know, just scrubbing through my photos to see what I got, you know, as, as you do. And this, uh, this, this guy sitting next to me with like curly hair, like in a man bun and like a purple sweatshirt, you know, like just, just going through cigarettes. He's like, Hey, you know, like, let me see your Instagram. Are you a photographer? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a photographer. You know, I just, you know, starting to starting to shake a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I shoot photos. And he basically goes, he goes, okay, cool. He's like, he's like, you ever heard of heater central and portrait central? And I go, yeah, yeah, dude, I tag them all the time. I'm trying to get featured in their stuff. He was the founder of Heater Central and Portrait Central, uh, which are, uh, back then it was, what was it, 2013, 2014? They were the, like, one of the biggest, um, well, first of all, portrait 
feature pages as well as just you know general photography feature pages and they kind of catered towards sony's specific look which was you know uh dark blacks high vibrancy and like off the wall you know just like off the wall colors and hyper graded and without without even asking he immediately he just goes like all right listen man i'm gonna give you the spiel and for half an hour he goes through the exact strategy that he used to blow up those feature page accounts and it involves like four or five hours a day of following people and following people and following people for the first two and a half hours and then going to your favorite pages that you like and as soon as uh, as soon as they post their most recent photo you set the notification so that you can see their recent photo and everyone who likes that photo as soon as it's posted you just start clicking on those accounts and following these people and liking all their stuff because you know they're still on instagram and then an hour later you unfollow them and he did that for years to build those like the two largest uh some of the two largest photography feature pages on Instagram. Yeah. I, I haven't heard his story specifically, but I've heard similar stories about the follow unfollow thing. I was like, wow, that is, that is, uh, uh, something I don't think I could explain to helmet Newton. <laughs> no. You are listening to the F 11 photography podcast. I want to go over one more topic that we discuss within the social media thing. And then we'll end today's episode. Where do you see social media going in the future for stills photography specifically? You know, um, that's a really interesting question. And I see it, I see it going this way. That's a, that's a, that's a really, that's a big question to answer. So I think personally that there's going to be, a lot of open source software and a lot of available software for AI, um, AI enhanced photography and compatibility. And I think the idea of the still image will be lauded as an art form, but I think with the rapidity and the pace at which content is being demanded, I, I truly believe that it will come down to uh, AI creating this content, or you're, you're going to have a bunch of, you know, it's going to be a bunch of savant 17 year olds as we already have just pioneering new ways to, to see the world and, and view photography through a number of different softwares and, and means, you know, you look at a lot of brand shoots with, with Sony and athletic wear and stuff like that. And a lot of it's becoming, you know, a lot of it, you look at the photographers and they're hiring uh, really, really off the wall guys, uh, 17 year olds who are just incredibly good with technology and creating stuff that, uh, a lot of traditional photographers just haven't seen. And so I think it's just going that way. I think the market for photography has just, you know, blown out of proportion and content creation has become so hyper available, um, both, both for the demand held by, you know, the algorithms on social media platforms, as well as the demand for content by, uh, ever growing companies. That's fascinating, man. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to be going. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because Instagram is really trying hard with reels and I think it's kind of leaving the stills photographer out. Uh, there was a minute where Twitter all of a sudden became a place for stills because they weren't cracking down on, um, you know, nudity, censoring, and things like that. Uh, that's where the uh, five minutes where NFTs were a thing happened uh, in the Twitter sphere. 
Um, and now we're starting to see NFTs kind of calm down a bit and we'll have an episode on that for sure. Cause I have, uh, I have some opinions on that, but, uh, but yeah, man, it'll, it'll be interesting. All I know is that, uh, my summary would be that social media can be an effective tool, but if you let it rule you, then I don't think that you're in this for the right reasons. So yeah, I'd agree. Uh, social media has its purposes, but like like all things, it can be mistreated, and uh, you can pay for it. I agree. And with that, we are going to end today's episode. Um, I think that the next episode we should do, and we've been in discussion on this, we're going to debrief the Holga Challenge. Oh, yeah. Because I think that that's something that we could easily talk about and we have a long time coming yes we have opinions on the holga challenge so if you're not familiar it's a really cool film camera it's worth talking about Uh, i think it'd be fascinating even if you're not a film photographer so uh please tune in to our next podcast which will be coming out next week you can catch us on all the major podcast platforms like apple music iHeartRadio, spotify and all the others and until next time chase light not algorithms Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.